0: Welcome to Ira's Everything Bagel where I talk with intriguing people about everything their passions, pursuits and points of view. My guest today has a passion about games and game shows. He's Mark Richards, who among other game show activities hosted Starcade, cable television's first original game show, was a contestant coordinator for Jeopardy, hosted a nightly 3-hour game show on a major Los Angeles radio station and hosted a nightly combination game home shopping show. On the nashville network you can find out more about mark at Starcade.tv and videos by mark and beverly.com and mark welcome to the show i have to say one thing ira come on down (laughs) (laughs) when did you when did you realize that you just had a laser focus on games and game shows
1: well i was born in a small town in connecticut about 40 miles uh, outside of new york city 18,000 population. And uh, we used to watch uh, a game show on Sunday nights on the ABC network called Break the Bank with Burt Parks as the host. And uh, the orchestra leader was named Peter Van Steeden. And every time there was a question asked to the contestants about music, they would take a a shot of Peter playing the orchestra, you know, like he was part of the show. And I didn't know he he lived in, in my hometown of New Canaan, Connecticut, until... One afternoon, I'm walking down our down Main Street, and I recognized him and started saying, "Hey, we watched the show, blah blah blah. How can we become contestants?" <laughs> he says, "Well, when would you like to come down? You have to come down to the show and talk to the producers." Uh, so, okay. So anyway, arranged uh, for us, my mom and dad, uh, and my brother and sister, and myself, we went down to New York, and we watched the show live. And then after the show they They say, "Hey, if anybody wants to be a contestant, just come on down and stick around and we'll talk to the producers will talk to you. So we went down and the producers talked to us, and that was basically it. Uh, a week or so later, we got a call. Come on down, you're gonna be on next Sunday's show, except my dad didn't want to do it. So it's my mother, my brother, my sister, and myself, okay? It was called Break the Bank. And it was uh, live back then. There was no uh, tape, uh, of course. And we were on the show. We won two hundred dollars, big deal. And but I, I became a celebrity in in school, you know, because word got out that we were going to be on the show.
0: How old were so you I, at that time, Mark?
1: Twelve. Amazing.
0: I was twelve,
1: twelve years old. And in fact, I have a photograph I, I could send it to you of a, of a of a picture of us being interviewed or talked to by uh, Bird Parks. So anyway. I was like a celebrity in high school, in school. I was 12 years old because the word got out that we were going to be on TV. So I said, boy, this is pretty neat. So two years later, I was on a game show called uh, The Big Payoff on CBS at uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoons with Bess Meyerson, was one of the hosts of the show. And then in 59, I was on a game show called Play Your Hunch on NBC, hosted by Merv Griffin. And then I went to the Air Force and was Armed Forces Radio, and you know, went to Cleveland. Was doing TV and radio there. And in 1969, I got on a, a contestant on uh, the, the Dating Game in Los Angeles. I did not win, but I had I got a pair of uh, Hager
0: slacks, and, you, know, <laughs> you know, and big prize, and please, and please press on nails and, and white veroni. You know? <laughs> so
1: anyway, uh, I did that in '69. And then in '75, I was on to tell the truth. Gary Moore was the host. So it was a syndicated version of the show. And in 1981, I was on the uh, the, the Wheel of Fortune show with Chuck Woolery uh, as the host. It was his last, you know, go around as the host before Pat Sajak took over.
0: Now, what about these game shows? What is it that caused you to just focus on that and keep going back? First as a contestant, and then obviously later on. As I mentioned, you hosted Starcade. So how did that come about that you just had this laser focus on wanting to get on game shows?
1: Well, just watching the, the game show host, you know, asking questions and having a nice smile on their face, giving away money and prizes. <laughs> this is pretty neat, you know. So anyway, in 1976 in Cleveland, I was hosting an oldies radio game show, an oldies show playing hits of the 50s and early 60s on an FM radio station. And I approached the the general manager of the local UHF station that just went on the air about hosting a bandstand show similar to Dick Clark's show, but playing nothing but the oldies and having people 30 plus dancing on the show. And he said, let's do it. So I did that for almost three years. And I went to L.A. because I wanted to become a game show host. So I brought some videotapes of me hosting the, the dance show and immediately found an agent who liked what he saw on my videotape. So he got. It was in 1982, May, May of 1982. He sent me out on an audition to host a game show called Starcade for Ted Turner Superstation WTBS, and it was basically young adults playing the popular video arcade games of the day. So anyway, I went to the audition in Los Angeles, and there was about twenty. 22, 23 of us there, including Alex Trebek, was trying out to host the show. But this is before Jeopardy. This is two years before Jeopardy. So anyway, we met with the producer and we did some stuff. And then he narrowed it down to me and Alex. And then we both did a a 15-minute sizzle reel that the producer sent to Ted Turner down in Atlanta. And word got back to the producer that, let's go with Mark Richards. <laughs> so I got, I got the job. And when I called Alex, Alex, we exchanged phone numbers and everything during the auditions. I called Alex. I said, Alex, it's Mark Richards. Hey, Alex. I mean, hey, Mark, what's up? Alex, guess what? I just got the gig for Stockade. <laughs> now, at this point, Alex was not too thrilled because he needed the job. He was unemployed.
0: Well, yeah, you were competing with each other, so.
1: Of course. Yeah, well, we weren't competing. I mean, I got the cake.
0: Right. Yeah. But I mean, initially in the auditions, you you two were up for it and you won.
1: I won because uh, from what I heard, Ted Turner liked my style as opposed to uh, Alex's style. Alex is more of a like Jeopardy. You right. Know? right. Whereas my show, I don't know if you saw the videos or not, but with my show, uh, on Starcade, I was more like, a, "Hey, let's have a game. we're gonna play games. we're gonna play this or, you know that was more like an up, upbeat you know, air personality. So anyway, uh, Ted Turner said, "Let's go to Mark Richards. So anyway, Alex and I kept in touch, and then I well heard that he was ho- gonna be hosting and producing The Return of Jeopardy. So anyway, I gave him a call. I, I'm in San diego by this by this time, hosting a a radio show down there. Hey, Alex, I hear you're doing Jeopardy. Uh, Listen, you're the producer. Get me a gig on the show. He says, well, when are you going to come up here again? He he lived in Studio City, Los Angeles area. I said, I don't know. I'll come up this weekend. He said, all right, come on up. So I drove up to L.A., up to his home in in, uh, the hills, and he said, "Uh, well, what do you want to do for Jeopardy? I said, I want to be your announcer. He said, no, we got Johnny Gilbert. <laughs> I said, okay, well, let me pick the contestants, because I've been on a bunch of game shows. He said, okay, you're, you're the contestant coordinator, and that was it.
0: It's a great story. And then the fact that he lost out to you on Starcade and yet hired you as a contestant coordinator for Jeopardy shows the kind of heart he had.
1: Well, no, well but I, I was with Alex several times uh, during that two-year period. Because, you know, when we were doing the auditions, we were talking about game shows and, hey, I got some ideas for some game shows. So he had ideas for game shows. So there were several weekends a year that I was over at his home and discussing game shows. You know, so he knew that I loved game shows and he knew I wanted to get out of San Diego to get up to L.A. So we're where all the game shows are. So, anyway, he offered me the job, and I took it, and and we went on the air in uh, September of 84. We opened up our offices in June of 84, we started taping in in August of 84.
0: Are you surprised at the enduring success of Jeopardy?
1: You know, I can kick myself for not staying with the show. It was uh, a fun little gig, but uh, every... He, I, Alex didn't tell me about the hiatus period of uh, Jeopardy, which means we take from August through December, and then from January through June, we're out of business. went over unemployed. <laughs> we have to collect unemployment. Interesting. And yeah, I had no idea about that. So here I am the first year, unemployed, doing nothing. Uh, nobody will hire me to do anything else in the game show business, knowing that going back to Jeopardy. So for, you know, for all those months, I'm unemployed and, and, you know, and collecting unemployment insurance. And then I did a second year, and, and then the same thing happened. I said, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> so uh, I had a game show on the radio in San Diego. It was called the Radio Game Show. It was on uh, 6 to 9 o'clock Monday through Friday on KOGO Radio in San Diego. It was a 5000 watt station on the AM dial beamed into uh, L.A., up to Santa Barbara. And after I finished doing the Jeopardy thing, I, I made some phone calls to a couple of radio stations in L.A., and one of them was 50,000-watt KFI radio. And I got a hold uh, of it. Don't the, forget, uh, though,
0: Mark, it's also Clear Channel. And I don't mean the company name. I mean a Clear Channel, for those who, people who may not know, the signal from KFI went pretty much all the way to the Mississippi.
1: That, well, I found that out when I was on the air because uh, we were getting contestants calling in from all over the country. Not all the country, but mostly the south, you know, the west area, you know, Oregon, Montana, you know, Arizona, et cetera. So I called the program director and he knew who I was because he used to monitor my game show uh, every so often. So he said to me, what are you doing these days? I said, well, I was with Jeopardy for two years. And I don't want to go back to Jeopardy. You know, I did the hiatus and all that. he says, well, look, uh, why don't you um, set up a time and have lunch? So a few days later, we had lunch. And uh, two weeks later, I'm on the air on KFI radio. They put me on from 9 to midnight, Monday through Friday. I thought that was going to be my permanent time slot. But I found out later that he wanted me to, you know, just, you know, get the show rolling and work out the bugs before he moved me down from 6 to 6 o'clock, from 6 to 9. So I was on KFI radio Monday through Saturday from 6 to 9 for 18 hours a week up until uh, a couple of years later.
0: Well, the nighttime gig is actually the best for KFI because of the fact that's when the signal goes all the way through half the United States.
1: That's exactly right. And that's how I got my gig in in, uh, Las Vegas here on on Keno, KENO
0: radio. And we should mention to our audience that you're based here in Las Vegas.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. But after I left KFI, I went to Portland or I'm sorry, I went to Nashville, Tennessee, where I hosted a combination game home shopping show. And the reason my agent sent me, you know, told me about that. And the reason I got that gig is because we sent the producers in Nashville videotapes of me hosting Jeopardy because every Tuesday and Wednesday during tape days, I hosted the on-camera rehearsal game you know giving the contestants a chance to you know get used to the the show the podiums the buzzers and the and everything and i had some videotapes of me hosting the, the the jeopardy game show so anyway the producers in, in nashville thought geez look at this guy you know <laughs> so anyway they, they hired me and i went to nashville to host a, a game show called uh, money mania it was called money mania combination home game home shopping show game show Anyway, that lasted for less than 13 weeks. So here I am stuck in, in Nashville with no job and nowhere to go. So I happened to call Las Vegas because I wanted to come to Vegas anyway. And I, I called the, the, the general manager of a radio station here in Las Vegas. I forgot the name of it already. It's no longer in, town, in business. He's, who knew of me and my radio game show because he used to listen to it very so often. So he said, look, I'd love to have you work here, uh, but the thing is I'm moving to Portland, Oregon to take over an oldie station in Portland. (laughs) Would you be interested in coming to Portland? And I said, sure. So anyway, I went to Portland, Oregon. was there until 1989 hosting a game show. And then I came here to Las Vegas, and I wanted to get a a gig uh, in Vegas during my game show. So I called O Radio because they're playing oldies, which is my favorite kind of music. And the program or the operations director named Gary Campbell happened to know who I was because he listened to my game show. <laughs> so I started working on Keno every night for, for almost two years. Well, it sounds like here.
0: your reputation preceded you. All these different yeah. people knew you in different ways. Have you ever thought about auditioning for QVC or HSN just because of your background with the Nashville Network where you're doing that combination show?
1: Well, actually, actually it was the Nashville Network, Nashville, like Nashville, Tennessee. No, I never did. I had no interest. I wanted to be a game show host. I didn't want to sell
0: product, you know. Right. uh, Unless it were uh, games, of course, then you could do both.
1: Yeah, I could, but nah. (laughs) So, anyway, I'm here in Vegas, and uh, I was doing my oldie show, and then I was moonlighting, working in various nightclubs, and and, uh, not nightclubs, but the lounges of several casinos here in town, at nighttime, when the band went on, the house band went on their 20-minute their break, I would play audience participation games. I, I did that at the Sahara, not the Sahara, but the Sands, the uh, Riviera, and also um, in 1994 and 95 at the Las Vegas Hilton, which I'm sure you're familiar with. <laughs> Indeed.
0: <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> well, what's interesting about your career is that you have moved around a lot, and, at the, and yet your focus again... Has to be in the game show area. You're now in the video business as well, video production for weddings as well. But you've always had this interest, and that's that's what fascinated me about you is that you continued that from age 12 onward. So, regardless of where you lived or worked, that's always been your focus. Who were some of the interesting people you met along the way in your career in Los Angeles or even Nashville or other places that come to mind? People that were such as Alex Trebek. You talked about him. Are there others? You, met, uh, you didn't mention Merv Griffin, but I know there's a part of Merv Griffin that's part of your story.
1: Yeah, but, but here's, here's my biggest thrill in my life, is a face-to-face meeting with Mark Goodson. After I left Jeopardy, and before I went to Nashville... Well,
0: wait a minute. I, Let's explain to our listeners. A lot of people may not know who Mark Goodson is. Mark Goodson was part of Goodson Todman Productions, which was responsible for many, many national game shows, national television game shows.
1: Well, yeah, he started off with "What's My Line" back in the in the '40s, early '50s, and then he did "Price Is Right," "To Tell the Truth," "Family Feud, "Password." Yeah, he, he was the game show guy. So anyway, I managed to get an appointment with Mark Goodson in his office, and he looked at some a video of me hosting Jeopardy, and he was very impressed. He really liked it, and uh, never got back to me. <laughs> 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 yeah. You know, he, he he said it kind of. I kind of reminded him of Bert Convy, who was hosting Password at the time, you know, or doing or Tattle Tales. I'm sorry, I saw a game called Tattle Tales. So anyway, but, but he, he for five minutes, he just stared at the at the, the, the TV screen and just watched. You know, he didn't take his eyes off of me hosting Jeopardy.
0: So did you ever call him back to find out why no. he didn't call you? No, I'm not gonna
1: say. Hey. I'm not gonna say, "Hey Mark, how come you never called me?" I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Apparently, he did and, and anyway, then I got the kick down at the national, so you know, things worked out pretty good.
0: When you look at the various game shows over the years, over the decades, actually, from your point of view, because you've had this experience, what is the most popular game show from your point of view, and what is the most successful? And it may be the same game show. But what is the most successful game show from your point of view?
1: Well, well, let me tell you something. There's game shows and there are quiz shows. Jeopardy is a quiz show, and that's my favorite right there, Jeopardy. Family Feud and Wheel of Fortune are game shows because people are playing games. So I would say Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. Wheel as the game show and, and Jeopardy as the quiz show.
0: I never thought of it that way, but you're right. Here's a question no one can answer for me. They always talk about television. Well, if you want to go back in time, I'll paraphrase the FCC commissioner at the time Newton Minow that said television is a great wasteland and there are many game shows and maybe quiz shows that are aimed at the lowest common denominator. In other words, they're awfully easy. Jeopardy is the opposite, and it's always amazed me that why aren't there more shows like Jeopardy on the air if Jeopardy is so successful for all this time? It clearly points a way to having a more intelligent quiz show.
1: Well, I, I, you know, let me just say you something. When Merv Griffin pitched the, the Jeopardy concept to uh, NBC back in, uh, I think it was 73, 74, or whatever, because it ran until 19, it ran for 11 years, in the 60s. I'm sorry, in 64 to 73 it ran on NBC. NBC it will turn it down. Because the question, because the executives couldn't even answer the questions. <laughs> you know, he says, well, no one's going to know the answer to these questions. You know, and these are several of the main executives at NBC. They, they turned it down. So Merv came back for another uh, pitch meeting and, and toned the questions down just a bit. And they said, OK, let's do it. As long as the, 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 the big bigwigs can answer the questions, they were happy.
0: So how did Jeopardy succeed then if that were, if that were the case?
1: How did it succeed?
0: Well, again, the question, the, 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 the way you play Jeopardy, it's, n- it's not easy. And you have to obviously know a lot of information. So again, using your example, if the executives could not get the questions to the answers on Jeopardy, w- why is Jeopardy so successful? It goes back to my original question.
1: Yeah. Well, all I know is that uh, the show has been on the, air, went, it was on the air for 11 years before it took a hiatus and then came back in 84.
0: Right, in other words, you have no answer for me.
1: I have, I have no answer. Okay,
0: all. that's fair, okay. All I know, all I know <laughs> is
1: that uh, even when I was during the taping sessions, I had no idea what the answers were, you know? Right. And, and, and in fact, the first week, the very first week of Jeopardy with Alex Chevek, the final Jeopardy question, everybody missed the question or the answer. And I'll see if you, you know this one. The category is the calendar, and it's the official start date of the 21st century.
0: The official start date calendar, of the 21st
1: the, century. The official calendar date of the 21st century.
0: I would say December... Wait, the 20th or the 21st? 21st. Okay, so it would be December 31st,
1: 1999. No, no. The answer... Most everybody put down, what is January 1st, 2000?
0: I, of, I figured I'd be a little early because at midnight it changes. That's why I did it.
1: No, night. no. But the all said, what is January 1st, 2000? And no, the answer was January 1st, 2001. See, everything starts with one. But everybody put down 2000 and they all
0: lost in- including me. There you go. okay Including,
1: yeah, yeah. Really, that was. The, I, I'll know. I'll always remember that one. That was the very first one. The first week. The first week of Jeopardy with Alex. Everybody missed the question.
0: Now you made a reference early on, and I let it go. But I, I have to explain it to our many of our listeners. You reference UHF, and just as a reference, because this is so far back, that was in the days before even cable, where you had VHF stations, and then you had these UHF stations that you had to. Get a special antenna for. So that's right. when you went to that that side of the spectrum. I just thought I'd throw that in there as a little aside. As you yeah, say. you
1: know the thing is, you know, uh, when I got the call or my agent told me about this Starcade show for for Ted Turner, you know, uh, it's got cable. Who watches cable? This is eighty two. You know, no one's going to watch the show. There's nobody. Nobody has cable. <laughs> but they they offered me a thousand dollars a show, and I said I'll take it. After they hired me. <laughs>
0: You were hired by Merv Griffin. Did you get a chance to interact with him? Oh
1: yes, Merv. Merv came to the uh, tapings quite often. You know, just just hung around. You know, just watching from the sidelines or the control room, uh, watching. In fact, he even came up to me one day after I finished doing the rehearsal games and said, "Hey, you're real good. You know, keep it up." You know, basically that was it. Like right. The back, what was know?
0: his What was his skill that allowed him and his talent that allowed him? He originally started out. As an entertainer, a singer in the Big Band era, he became a billionaire because of all these game shows. How did he have that insight to create these game shows?
1: Well, he was um here's the way it happened. He was on the flight to uh, with his wife uh in an airplane and uh his wife said, I got I have a his wife said, I have an idea for a game show. What is it? He says, five thousand two hundred and eighty. He says, "Well, what's what's a mile?" Then she gave their home address, and and then what is our home address? You know, basically, that was it. And she said, "That's that's how it all started." No, actually, I'm sorry. She said to him, "I'm gonna. Here's a question, but I'm gonna give we give the we give the contestants the answers. I'm sorry, we give the contestants the answers." He said, "You can't do that because of the scandal, blah blah blah, blah, you know the payola and the quiz show scandals." And then it was changed to uh, we we give the answer, and they give the question, and that's how it all happened. It's a great story. That's true, though.
0: Do you see a future for game shows and quiz shows?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look in the, if you look in the ratings of the syndicated shows in the top 10, uh, Jeopardy, Wheel, and Family Feud are right up there. And they're in the top three syndicated shows.
0: Do you think the networks kick themselves sometimes because you just mentioned that some of these game shows, very successful game shows, are syndicated rather than being on a network?
1: Well, there's more money in the syndicated shows. You know, stations make a ton of money. They pay. A, they pay a li- They pay a license fee to the produce to the production comp. Not the production companies, but to the distributors. And uh, there's like like Wheel and Jeopardy. They're in a hundred and sixty-five markets across the country.
0: From your pers. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say in like like uh, the daytime shows, like. Um, Dealer, no, not dealer, no deal, but let's make a deal and the price is right. See, a lot of stations across the country are, are dropping the shows from their daytime schedule because they're putting in syndicated or local programming, mostly local. They can make more money doing a local talk show than they can with a, uh, a network show.
0: Even with the cost of production in terms of the Hosting the right. guess. yeah. I yeah, can see cause that. Yeah, they,
1: because they own all commercial inventory. They don't have to pay a license fee. You know, Like, like it was in, in 1983, I, I did the audience warm-ups for a game show called Caesar's Challenge that was hosted by Ahmad Rashad, the sportscaster. And uh, we taped it in the Circus Maximus showroom at Caesar's Palace, and I did the audience warm-ups. And it was on NBC daytime across the, across the country, but here's what happened. After nine months, the show was canceled because most stations weren't carrying the show. They were doing the, the, their news or syndicated programming. So anyway, I happened to be part of the last, very last NBC daytime game show.
0: You've got your finger on all these different game shows, all all yeah. these different yeah. ways. I asked you about the future of game shows and quiz shows. How about the future of Mark Richards? Are you going to keep your hands on that on that wheel of not fortune well, but that wheel of game shows
1: well let me let me tell you something I, as we speak it, over the last few few months or so i came up with an idea for a game show to be produced locally in cities across the country it's called vegas vacation and it's like a basic trivia show and, you know not my jeopardy questions but just general knowledge trivia where contestants compete to win a trip to las vegas but the thing is they have to pay a fee to be on the show. They have to buy in. And and the fees that they, they that are collected covers the production costs for the local T V stations and the and the airfare and the hotel. Interesting. And a lot of stations are saying no, 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 no. I mean, I contacted Cox Cox, I, 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 broadcasting, I contacted Scripps, uh, I contacted all kinds of broadcasting group ownership people, and and nobody's interested.
0: Well, you're still thinking of them, and that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been game show aficionado Mark Richards. You can find out more about Mark at Starcade.tv and videos by Mark and Beverly.com. Mark, thanks for being on the show. And thank you, Ira. A lot of fun. We'll see you soon. And join us every Thursday for a new schmear on Ira's Everything Bagel.